and welcome to Conversations with Matt Delacri. Today we're going to be talking about science and religion, and here to share his thoughts with us is Dr. David Sherrill. Dr. Sherrill is a professor of chemistry at Georgia Tech. He is an expert at developing theoretical models and algorithms for computer simulations of molecules, and he has over 180 published papers and book chapters. So, Dr. Sherrill, welcome. Glad to be with you, Matt. All right, let's get right into it. You're a professional scientist and a Christian. How is it that you can be both without your head exploding? <laughs> Do you live a life of hopeless contradictions? <laughs> uh, that's a great first question. Uh, I think there is this uh, myth in popular culture that somehow religion uh, is incompatible with science, that somehow science has disproved God and that science is all about rationality and religion is about superstition and that the two are 100% opposed to each other. But um, this really just isn't true and it doesn't hold up to any kind of close scrutiny. Uh, so if you look at a lot of the lead scientists uh, who really pushed forward Western science, uh, a lot of the, the greats were Christians. If you think about Isaac Newton, who was the father of physics uh, and developed calculus, he wrote more about Christianity than he ever did about science. Um, in my own field of chemistry, uh, the absolute temperature scale was developed by Lord Kelvin. He was a Christian. Uh, the electron was discovered by J.J. Thompson. He was a Christian. Uh, so many, many of the, of the great scientists, both in, both in the past and, and even today, um, were Christians, and of course they saw no contradiction between these things, uh, and neither do I. Uh, another scientist I look up to from uh, Caltech is Richard Feynman. Now, he was an atheist, but uh, even Feynman said that there's absolutely no contradiction between believing in science and believing in the God of the Bible and the God of Revelation. So, historically, there hasn't been any sort of a a contradiction between being a Christian and being a scientist, that it's that's something that's sort of been more recent and maybe something that's in, in, in pop culture or, or is it pop culture? And is it in, is it in the Academy? Like do, do scientists today think that there's a problem between science? and? I guess it depends on which scientists you talk to. Um, uh, there are plenty of working successful scientists now who are Christians or belong to other faiths. Um, there is this certainly perception from pop culture, and maybe if it's rooted in any reality at all, um, it is true that surveys seem to show that um, maybe if you look at the National Academy of Science, that that group of folks is a little less likely to be uh, Christians or, or, or have uh, practice some religion. Um, on the other hand, if you look at surveys just within the U.S. of people who work as scientists or engineers, those surveys suggest that the fraction of Christians is about the same as it is in the general public. Um, so, uh, you know, to be a scientist doesn't mean you're less likely to be a Christian. Um, maybe only if you look at the select group of folks in the National Academy, which is a very small number of folks. Is there any overlap between science and Christianity? I mean, if you can be both, is it, are they completely separate? Like you put on your scientist hat when you come to work and then you take it off 
when you go to church and you put on your religion hat? I mean, is everything completely separate? Is there any overlap? Do they interact with each other at all? That's a really good question that uh, is a little hard to answer because there are so many layers to to that. At one level, yes. Um, You know, if I'm trying to uh, solve quantum mechanics equations, being a Christian or not being a Christian doesn't give me any advantage or disadvantage with respect to that. Um, on the other hand, um, I think it's fair to say that they're not completely separate domains uh, in that uh, if you are uh, a Christian, uh, you believe certain things about where the universe came from and what our place in the universe is. Uh, And those do touch on the life of the scientist. So, for example, uh, if you're a Christian, you believe that you're supposed to attempt to lead a moral life. And we know that we fail miserably at this and we can't actually succeed. uh, But that's where God's grace and forgiveness comes from. Um, But there's at least this expectation that we're supposed to try our best. Uh, And so that impacts my work uh, as a professional. I want to treat people with respect. I want to try to do a good job. I want to be fair. Uh, All of these sorts of things, uh, I think, maybe uh, take on an additional level of responsibility for the Christian. Uh, At least we hope so. That's what our goal is anyway. Um, And then also just how we sort of think about the world does influence our, our work as scientists, I think. So, for example, uh, as, a, as a Christian, I expect that the world uh, is according to some kind of design and plan, and it's not a complete accident, uh, and that it's orderly and it obeys certain laws. Now, scientists, of course, believe the universe is orderly and obeys certain laws, right? Uh, but if you're Uh, a scientist who's an atheist, you have no rational basis to believe that the universe obeys these laws other than that you just observe that it seems that it does. But there's no background about why that should be true. Uh, On the other hand, if you're a Christian who's a scientist, you have an understanding of why that should be true because God made it that way. Uh, This is particularly interesting at the intersection of theoretical science uh, and religion. So if you're a Christian or any kind of theist uh, who believes that the universe you know, was, uh, was created by an intelligent creator, then it's completely rational to see why all of our laws of physics are described by mathematical equations, because they were made that way. Um, on the other hand, if you're an atheist, it's a remarkable surprise that the universe obeys these very elegant mathematical laws. And the mathematics is such that it's elegant and interesting and yet understandable by a human. So the laws are not so complex that we humans are incapable of understanding or discovering them, Um, which again is a happy accident if you're an atheist. But if you believe in God, it's not an accident at all. And you can even start thinking, Maybe humans were meant to understand the universe and be able to be scientists and uh, enjoy discovering how the universe works. That's uh, something the the famous, uh, really, I guess maybe the the first uh, astronomer 
uh, or one of the first ones, Johannes Kepler, um, said he had joy in understanding how God had created the universe as he came up with his three laws of planetary motion. You were talking a little bit about how mathematics describes the universe, and you've spent quite a bit of time working with math, right? Yes. <laughs> Could you talk a little bit about that, a little bit about uh, about your research and then how how you study mathematical equations? Because I think, I think you described what you as what, quantum chemistry? Is that yeah, accurate? That, that's and, my field is quantum chemistry. Uh, and, and so that's the field that applies the laws of quantum mechanics that we learn from physics to problems in chemistry. And it's a really interesting field because quantum mechanics um, doesn't just sort of kind of describe how atoms and molecules work. It exactly describes how atoms and molecules work. So in principle, if you had a big enough computer, you could predict uh, properties of atoms or small molecules to many, many, many digits of accuracy, let's say 12 digits of accuracy for certain properties, which is just an insane amount of accuracy. So those folks who maybe don't study uh, physics or, or chemistry uh, as, as much as I do might not appreciate just exactly how um, precise these equations are that we use, like the Schrodinger equation. I spend a lot of my career worrying about how to solve the Schrodinger equation. It's incredibly accurate. And the cases where it starts to break down are ones that we know about. So if you have heavier elements where the electrons zip around really, really fast, um, you need to use uh, relativity theory to describe those. But you can do that. And there are ways to do that. And then you get into something called the Dirac equation. And even in those situations, you can get the same multi-multi-digit accuracy description of what's happening. And so if you look at those kind of accuracies, you have to realize that they're not an accident. It, it's not luck that we have an equation that describes things to 12 digits of accuracy. It's because that equation describes the way things really are. And... If we have these equations that describe the way things really are, you have to ask, well, why is that? Um, Eugene Wigner wrote a very nice paper some decades ago. Uh, he was a great physicist of the 20th century. Uh, and the paper has a title something like On the Unreasonable Effectiveness of Mathematics in Describing the Real World. Uh, and he wrestled with this problem of why are these equations so accurate to describe how the world works uh, if everything is just random chance and atoms and particles? Why would mathematics work? Uh, but it does. It's undeniable that it does. It works incredibly well. Um, and it's not something you can say, well, humans just cooked up these equations and uh, it's, a, it's a, just an artifact of our intellect, uh, that wouldn't explain why they work so well. That would explain why you could maybe get rough ideas out of equations. But describing things to 12 digits of accuracy um, means that's how the universe works. They really work according, it really works according to these very same equations. Uh, so they're there waiting for us humans to discover them. And where did they come from? And why does the universe obey these laws? You know, the universe could obey no laws at all. Everything could be atoms that smash into each other and everything could be chaotic and random and um, but it's not uh, certain processes are chaotic we have chaos theory 
you could say, well, why isn't everything totally chaotic? Why isn't everything described by these highly nonlinear equations that mean everything is completely unpredictable? Certain things are unpredictable. For the most part, things really are predictable. Uh, and again, if you're an atheist, that all seems like an incredibly lucky accident that we live in a world that's understandable. But if you're a Christian, it's, it's um, totally reasonable and, and understandable. So Vigner's point was basically like, if you can take equations that you can put down on a piece of paper and they actually work in the real world, there, there must be a reason why this works, because it, it really shouldn't. If To get to 12 degrees of accuracy, if you were a human invention and not actually a description of the world, I would imagine there'd be like, okay, here's a basic equation, but then there's all sorts of like ifs and like if in this situation and corrections and trying to make it right because it doesn't really fit. It's sort of close. But it's not like that. Is, that. is that what he and you were saying? Yeah, that's basically right. That that it just can't be an accident that these work. And and yes, it is true. Certain equations have certain boundary limits that they work within. So classical mechanics only works for classical situations. That's true. But then we have this whole hierarchy of equations where if things start moving really fast, then we throw in relativity. And we always have this next set of equations we can fall back on, and then they work very well up to their limits. And that just can't be an accident. It just doesn't make sense. And Wigner, Wigner realized this, and he wrote this paper just to try to point this out to the rest of the scientific community that, hey, why is it that we get away with finding some equation and it works really, really great? Um, that shouldn't be the case. Um, and I don't... I don't you know, remember that he had a particular solution to this in the paper. He was really just sort of pointing out how puzzling it was. But I think any kind of Christians or, or, or theists do have a solution to this. So let's shift into the more of the theistic side of things. Can you tell us a little bit about your faith background? Yeah, I, um, I was uh, raised in a Christian home. Uh, we went to church regularly. Uh, and I remember as a kid... Uh, realizing that if there was a God who created the universe, that he was very, very smart, and he was going to be smarter than me, and that <laughs> it would be a smart idea to, to trust in, in him, uh, because he would know more than I would about how things are going. I think as I grew up, I, I, I stuck with that faith. Uh, but, you know, as you grow up, you mature a little bit. Uh, you find as you get a little older that... Uh, in addition to the sort of intellectual dimension of realizing that there's a God who knows things and knows more than you do, maybe, or whatever, um, there's also this, um, maybe you could call it a faith dimension or an experience dimension or a, or a heart dimension, uh, where you have to not just have an intellectual understanding, but really have... Um, a deeper understanding or, a, or, or really just put your, instead of just having this intellectual understanding of what's going on, you have to really put your trust in this being really to be a Christian. And that's been interesting as I've, as I've uh, gotten older to sort of learn more about that trust dimension. And there have been a number of times in my life where I have felt God sort of nudging me in one direction or another. Uh, even when I was in high school, um, I was a good student. Um, I did well in a lot of classes. 
but I felt some special nudge um, to enter this uh, chemistry competition when I guess I was a junior in high school. Um, and uh, it kind of was a feeling that wouldn't go away. So I studied up a little bit for this competition uh, and wound up placing, I think it was one of the top two in the state level competition and then got shipped off to the national level competition and had fun with that. And that kind of is what pushed me into chemistry. And it was all from this kind of gentle nudge, uh, I think from God kind of pushing me in that direction. It turned out to be a very, very fruitful, fruitful one. And there have been a number of uh, other occasions in my life where I've felt uh, God kind of leading me in one direction or another. And invariably, all of those situations, what I've been willing to listen and go in that direction, have, have turned out to be very successful. So why would you say you're a Christian? Is it because of the experiences that you've had? Is it because of intellectual arguments? or what, What's the why? I would say it's from the experiences, honestly. Um uh, yes, I, I started off growing up Christian and, and understanding it at sort of an intellectual level. But over the years, these experiences uh, of uh, being nudged a little bit in this way or that way and, and, and finding things turn out very well that way, um, in addition to other experiences of being uh, comforted in times uh, that are tough, um, these all these experiences with God reinforce the intellectual information I had about Christianity and really harmonize uh, in a way that I can trust in. Uh, and I think, you know, intellectual arguments can help people come to Christianity or maybe help address some doubts they have. Uh, but ultimately, it's, a, it's an experiential thing where if you're willing to make a leap of faith, and then you experience God, and that reinforces your decision, and you see that there's something tangible and real to all this at, at a level that um, touches your heart in addition to your mind. Okay, so faith and science. Does the one influence the other in your life? Has your faith changed the way you act as a scientist? Has your science impacted your faith at all? What's what's the impact on one in the other direction or vice versa? Well, you know, when I started off as an assistant professor, I, I had a conversation with a, a senior professor who was also a Christian. And, and he said something that sounded kind of oddball to me that um, I, I didn't really understand. I thought it was a bit of a weird statement at the time. Uh, and um, he said that... Um, he just relied on God to kind of guide his science and uh, help him to know what direction to move in strategically. And I forget exactly how he phrased it, but that was kind of the upshot um, that, um, you know, God would call the shots in terms of what he was studying scientifically. And I thought, well, how does that work? You know, because, yeah, I'm a Christian and, 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 and God, like I said earlier, kind of nudges me in certain directions a little better, comforts me when I need it. But, you know, that's a whole other thing than God, you know, suggesting your next research project, really. I didn't know what that um, meant. I didn't necessarily think it was good advice at the time. Uh, but looking back on my career, a lot of kind of random meetings and random conversations 
um, have sort of blossomed into very fruitful uh, research collaborations or grant opportunities that sort of came up very suddenly and out of nowhere and weren't something I was planning have panned out to be something that turned out to be very, very good. Um, and so I kind of maybe a little bit understand what this uh, senior fellow was trying to tell me. Um, at some level, you, no matter what your field is or no matter what you do, you can't always plan out your life or you, or you can plan it, but it won't always go the way you plan. But if you can kind of trust in God and just kind of go along for the ride, it's a lot less stressful and more productive and more fun. And I've seen some of that in my professional work where these opportunities come up and, and sometimes I've followed them and they've turned out to be great and they were never what I thought they were going to be. Do you think that the Christian faith would encourage somebody to pursue science? Like if I'm, if I'm just a Christian and not a scientist, would that lead me to have maybe a pursuit of science or maybe at least an appreciation for it? Do you think it, do you think it encourages an appreciation of science? Because so many so many Christians today are, are like anti-science, or at least they're the ones that you hear about anyway. Yeah, it's sad. Uh, you're, you're right. There, I think there are a lot of Christians who um, maybe uh, you know, feel bad for being criticized for uh, not engaging their reason enough or something, and then they kind of want to uh, uh, have a response to say, well, we don't need the science stuff. Uh, I, sometimes I've heard Christians say things like that. They kind of look down on science and don't think it's uh, of a lot of value. But I totally disagree. I think, um, you know, if you if you love God and you love what he's made, then there's every reason to be a scientist and learn about it. And if you read some of the writings of these old scientists like Newton and Kepler, um, you'll see that they had a lot of joy from being a scientist and learning more about God's creation. So um, I think, you know, of course, science isn't for everybody. Some people <clears throat> have other things they want to do. They want to be artists like my sister. Uh, and that's fine. But um, I would hope that Christians wouldn't feel a barrier towards studying science because it's very rewarding. It's very fun. And um, it really shouldn't interfere at all with their Christianity. In fact, it really should harmonize with it. I want to swing back to something earlier that you were talking about, about laws and their description of the universe and so forth. If we have a series of laws that describe how the universe works, does that leave any room for God? Can he act in the world? Miracles, answering prayer, is, are those things possible? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, as I already said, I think God's where the laws come from. So um, at some level, there's still room for him because he's the one who set it up. But um, but you're asking something a little different than that. You're saying, well, he's already set up all these laws. So does he need to do anything else or does he ever do anything else like miracles uh, or answering prayers? Or are we all in this kind of mechanism that's uh, been set up initially and, and is winding down without further uh, interference from God? And that's a great question. Um, I think if you believe that God is the one who set up the laws of the universe, then it's certainly reasonable to expect that he could suspend these laws if he wanted to. 
And so I think miracles are certainly possible. And you hear a lot of Christians talk about this miracle or that miracle that they've heard about or even experienced personally. And I don't think those can be immediately ruled out if you believe that there is a God who set up all the laws in the first place, because that would be up to him whether he wanted to suspend those or not. And certainly if you look in the Bible and, and specifically in the, in the New Testament and you see about the miracle of Jesus' resurrection, that's a big one that is central to Christians. And of course, the resurrection isn't naturally possible. Uh, that's just not going to happen every day. But uh, if God so chose uh, to raise Jesus from the dead, then he's perfectly capable of being able to do that. And I think there's a lot of historical evidence that that's exactly what happened. Do you have any advice for people who are struggling with the issue of science and religion in general, or science and Christianity in particular, whether they're on the, the, the non-believing side and they're wondering, like, okay, I'm very strongly uh, attached to science, but I don't know if I can if I can add the faith component in, or maybe the, on the other side, like, I believe very strongly in religion, I don't know what I think about science. People who are sort of struggling with this whole issue of putting these two worlds together. Do you have any advice for people who are trying to work that out in their own minds? You've, you've obviously done it in yours. I mean... There are some interesting um, books out there. Um, there is an interesting book by uh, Fritz Schaefer, Henry F. Schaefer at University of Georgia. Uh, I'm forgetting the exact title. It's something like um, Christianity and Science, Conflict or, or Coherence, something like that. You can find it on uh, Amazon. Uh, it's a nice little book. Uh, it's not too thick. It has lots and lots of stories uh, about scientists who were Christians and uh, and uh, Professor Schaefer's own experiences in, in wrestling with this intersection of science and religion. Um, and there are also some other interesting work uh, by, there's an organization called Reasons to Believe, founded by a former astronomer named Hugh Ross. Uh, and uh, he has some interesting work where um, from his viewpoint as uh, someone who was trained as a scientist, how he views certain things about the Bible uh, that I have found interesting to read. Uh, and there are others as well, but I'll just kind of single out those those two um, uh, folks as ones one could kind of look at to get a little more information on this topic. Thank you. I will uh, do my best to find links to the to the book, and then I'll share one for the uh, the organization and put those in the description for this episode. Um, are there any final things that you want to share with anybody who's listened to this? Any final thoughts? Um, yeah, just touching one more time on your question about why Christians might want to become scientists. Uh, I'll reiterate, it's a fun profession. Uh, what I love about science is that you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> If you knew what you were doing, it wouldn't be science. Maybe it would be engineering. <laughs> but scientists are these people who, who uh, dive into the unknown, and they try to figure out something that nobody has ever understood before. Maybe there's some chemical reaction, and we don't know what the products are. Or maybe we know what the products are, and we don't know why they got there. Um, or maybe we have some material that we don't understand how it's going to behave in certain situations. So we do tests or we do modeling and we figure it out. And then 
after we have the answers, we have to explain the answers in a way that other people can understand. So there's a kind of a hidden surprise in that you get to learn a little bit about communication as you're a scientist uh, and how to explain it to your fellow scientists or sometimes even to the general public. Uh, and all of those are challenging and they're also a heck of a lot of fun. So uh, I, I highly recommend science as a profession to anyone who's curious about the unknown. Excellent. Well, thank you, Dr. Cheryl, for sharing your thoughts uh, today with us as someone who's both a scientist and a Christian. I'll put links to the things that he referenced a little bit earlier in the description. And if you're interested in hearing more content like this, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.